I showed up in boots and ruined your blind tie affair. The last one to know, the last one to show, I was the last one you thought you'd see there. Welcome to another edition of Michael L. Craver Presents, extending my enabling episode, uh, which was a change in format. And we have the next layer of that, which is talking about amnesty. It's a beautiful January the 27th. Happy to have you. If you're listening on any of the many, many places that you can hear this show, Spotify and iTunes, iHeartRadio, Verbal, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, listen to it all. Change it up. Just rotate them throughout the day. You probably got Amazon Prime. Listen to it on Amazon Music. Listen to it on your Alexa. Sit there and cook dinner. Listen to me. Make you hungry. In the meantime... Um, pending. It is pending. I have a, a, uh, an email correspondence from the administrators at Pandora who were negotiating with me. So that's that's pretty nice. Pandora, something that uh, traditionally Pandora was its own competitor to things um, like Spotify, which is now it's not as even as it used to be. However, today's discussion, in my eyes, even as it used to be, amnesty, talking about the Dreamers Act, talking about insurance, voting, just in general, your community changes at large when you have these accepted safe havens. If you're one of these sanctuary cities, you got a lot of folks who live off the books. Well, what does that really mean? <laughs> these 11 million undocumented people, I'm, everybody's curious how they come up with that number. It's not like the inventory at your local Walmart. Hey, we ordered 2,000 of this item. We sold 500. The inventory is 1,000. Well, we're missing 500, right? So there'd be 500 unaccounted for. I don't think the citizenship of the world is tallied in some place where another country gets in touch with the U.S., we get in touch with China and Russia and Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan. We talk to Borat. How many people are missing from Kazakhstan? Oh, only five, you know, or whatever he does, high five. And we say, oh, well, those five people are undocumented. Well, they're unaccounted for. They're, we can't locate them, you know. It could be... Anyway, that number being as unverifiable as it is, when you start talking about taking on a large expansion of any kind, like, look, you own a retail business. There's a lot of people who pass through your business. They open the front door and they leave out the front door. They never pick up an item. They never spend an, a dollar. They're window shoppers. Okay. You can be a window shopper. Just the same way as you can get a visitor's visa. or you know, There's a variety of different documents that allow you to come into this country and sightsee or work visas and so forth. You don't get citizenship, but you know. And there's a limit to the number of people they will accept as naturalized citizens in a given year. Because that's what they believe the country, the economy, our society can absorb. That's the healthy number. It's the same as when you have a, an introductory class at a university and they're only taking so many freshmen. You're at work and they're only going to train so many people, etc., 
This is a well-established practice across structured systems throughout the world. Nobody's just dumping some unknown number of people into a, an established system. It would, Lord knows what the impact would be. It wouldn't be good. It'd be really bad. You're not talking about taking on 11 million people with a lot of money in their bank accounts ready to buy stock down on Wall Street tomorrow. That would be an injection of cash into the economy. No, nothing like that. And you're giving away health care now. Okay, well, here's people who are not paying into the system, but we're taking out money for health care. No money going in, money going out. All right? That's just health care. It doesn't include anything having to do with food stamps or many of the other things that we extend to citizens, which are courtesies. Uh, if you're a first-time home buyer or maybe you just don't pay taxes you get they get paid in cash and you know those people don't pay taxes and they're undocumented right so there goes all that money out of the federal budget out of your local government they might even send that money back across the border somewhere else <gasps> now that money's gone out of your country so not only are they raising the debt by using your health care they're sending them the actual legal tender of your currency uh, the actual currency, the actual legal tender of your monetization process. And they're going, hmm, I think I'll send that down to my relatives. I think I'll put it in a bank somewhere. I'll do this and that with it. So they're burning money in several directions. Well, uh, I mean, this country was founded on uh, structure. I mean, we've had these things in place for a very long time. There's never been this... Open border, we'll pay for everything, come on in kind of party. And just it, the economics of that don't work out. If you have a school with 100 seats for kindergarten and we say, well, there's 250 students this year. We didn't account for those people last year. Bring them on in. Who's teaching all those people? Where are their supplies coming from? What are they generating? Well, I mean, they're going to take jobs. That What jobs? And what you to think about that. That is an, a huge underlying question here. What jobs do people walking into the country without American experience? I'm talking walking, backpacking, people of minimal skills. How are they just as qualified or more qualified for a job than somebody else? Perhaps they're doing work for a wage that nobody else should be doing for that wage. If you flood the market with it, and I talked about this in the women episode, I think it's number 24, if you flood the market with a lot of people who will then work for nothing, guess what? That becomes the minimum wage. But it becomes the accepted wage for that job. They could be really great. Oh, man, these guys lay brick... Yep, $9 an hour. Well, I mean, me and Jim here, we've been getting $18 an hour for the last 15 years. Not anymore. It's going to those guys. Wait, what? Yeah, because they underbid you. And now they're killing the standard of living. Of course, you dump two, three, eight, twelve people into a house. What do you think happens to the bills? It's not the best quality of life. But by God... 
By God, five of us making nine dollars an hour. Yeah, it's forty-five bucks an hour. So what? And you're all living in one place. And you're just pooling that money. Now, if it, let's say worst case scenario, none of you pay taxes either. <sighs> That'd be some trouble, wouldn't it? Now we got all this money flowing through these other channels, and I mean, well, so what if they're paying them under the table? Well. Here's how I want you to think about this, because you're not getting the picture. If you're one of these small-minded folks, you're not thinking three-dimensionally, four-dimensionally. I own a business. I pay Anthony to lay my tile for free of the tax, free of, of taxes. I don't pay Social Security tax. I don't pay Medicare for him. I pay nothing in. He's off the books, so I don't have to offer him health care. He's not on the census. He's not in any of the the other statistics that the federal government grabs and holds on to when it's making decisions about laborers or workers he's off the books so he didn't have to be part of the tile laying union or the other trade unions all right he's off the books all right now he goes out and he spends his money he got paid off the books so he's not he didn't have to pay taxes on his money i didn't have to pay taxes on his money but he goes down to the office the county office where they'll hand you out FNS and food food nutrition stamps, or they're willing to give him assistance for housing, childcare, welfare, unemployment, whatever it might be. Oh, that's ridiculous. But it's not. And there's a lot of people, I want to be very clear about this, there's a lot of people who are citizens who work as, let's say, servers at restaurants, who will underreport their income to the very basic minimum wage? They get paid in North Carolina two thirteen an hour. They may take home anywhere from eighteen to thirty forty dollars an hour, and yet they report only like nine dollars an hour. Well, what the hell happens at other thirty dollars, Michael? You guessed it. It's not taxed. It's not accounted for. It's gone. So you're paying their share of that money. And they just they keep 100% of that money, you pay and make up for it. But not only are you paying to make up for it, or to keep the water you know, from going over the dam, you're trying to pay it down. Not only are you doing that, they're going down to the Social Security office and the county office to register for their other social programs and saying they testify and sign away, I make $9 an hour. Here is my pay stub to prove it. So you give them assistance on top of that. Yes, the first part of this, I described that they may make between, like, let's say, 18 and $40 an hour. You're also then, let's we do the math, then throw on that welfare, throw on those food stamps, throw on the other assistance that they get, and then pile that money up per hour. So they earn, or they're taxed, at $9 an hour. These other things equate to it being $49, $55 an hour that they're going to take home because of the assistance we're giving them. Imagine Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, these large-scale athletes show up and they say, Tiger, you know what? Your handicap is not being assessed correctly. We're going to give you a 25 handicap. That's something that you never lose, right? Those of you who don't know go out golf don't know what I'm talking about. But you, 
you could go out on in, in, in any race car track and field you name it in a race and say we're going to give this guy a significant head start is he always going to finish first of course he's going to finish first this guy that makes nine dollars an hour and he on paper but he's taking home 30 an hour with or plus assistance what what are you going to say to this guy he's he's what and that's just the guy in the system is the hope that the folks who are coming in from the outside, we give them amnesty, we give them the Dreamers Act, whatever it might be. We give them access to the system. And there's no more money coming into the system. I want to be very, very, very clear about this. It doesn't generate any more money. In fact, it would change the dynamics of working wages of the healthcare system at large. I mean, you're talking about 30 million, 40 million people going to lose their healthcare. If 40 million is a significant number, right? Because 40 million is 10% of the country. That's what you said, 10%. Right? I want you to bear in mind that if you absorb 11 million people that go on to the healthcare system, you will have increased the healthcare system by 25%, going from 40 million up to 50 million. And whether or not any of those folks have pre-existing conditions and need, you know, more exotic treatment than the average person now, that's up for grabs. But the sheer volume of people passing through the door in your shop, as I made the illusion earlier, is by coming in, window shopping and leaving. They're eh, not doing much damage. Well, what if they start stealing? What if every one of them steals something? I mean, I wouldn't have much inventory. No, certainly I wouldn't have any cash flow. It'd probably go out of business. We go broke. That's what people have been trying to tell you. You can't just look at it like the college example I made earlier. We allow X number of students. We're going to allow 5,000 new students at the community college this year. Okay. 4,800 of them are paying. 200 of them get some kind of grant, scholarship. Uh, what is it? FAFSA, whatever, right? Um, suppose we go from 5,000 we say, ah, we're going to let in 6,000 people. Oh, oh, cool. More money for the college. No, 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 no. You, you don't understand. It's going to be 6,000 people. You see, it was 4,800 paying. It's still going to be 4,800 paying, but 6,000 people are going to go to class. Um, right? What do you say that? It's a terrible fucking idea. You can't just swamp the system like that. Don't get me wrong. You, I don't know the good argument. The good argument is, is some sort of humanitarian argument, but you would be drastically changing your standards of, of education. The communication base is not always the same because you have people of all different kinds of cultures. They bring with it all sorts of, of issues. But you're talking about people who already live here. So I want to be very clear, anybody who's, who's talking about like a caravan of people coming up to the border, walking 7,000 people walking together, traveling on foot, breathing all over each other during a pandemic, probably is not a good idea. Probably not the best, uh, what do you call that, a Petri dish? It's probably not the best Petri dish to open up and just release into your country. 
bad. It'd be bad on every basis. Economically, it'd be bad. It'd be bad for, you know, there were health risks. It's fucking it's terrible. Oh, man, we're going to help them out. Well, are you going to help them out? How many foreign exchange students do you guys know? And there's money involved in it. Is there a foreign exchange student for almost every class? How about every two classes? No? All right. Okay. So if the country is 33, three, it's 330 million people are in the country. So the average would be like 33 to 1. 330 million and 10 million. We take the zero off, move the decimal, 33 to 1. For every 33 students in your high school, there's one foreign exchange student. You got a class of 300 graduating? You ought to have 10 foreign exchange students. Anywhere? Anybody? No? No? Oh. So nobody's willing to just take on that burden. I mean, that's a great thing, right? Have somebody from a foreign country come stay with you, travel, learn. You understand their culture because they share it with you. Doesn't happen that regularly? Oh. Hmm. How many of you guys once a month, you run down to the soup kitchen, you go help out in the community or otherwise? You just give one day of your pay away every 30 days. Uh, never? Uh, strange answers, right? <clears throat> you don't have a choice in the matter because if somebody says this is what we're going to do, and the county commissioners do this, the government does this, it may be what will happen. <clears throat> They'll hand down an order. Uh, they'll pass a, a piece of legislation and say, here's what we're going to do with our time and our resources. And you're going to go along with it because you are part of the community. You live here. Whether or not you voted for those people who made the decision or otherwise, you may not agree with it in any way, shape, or form. But it will be something that will become part of the culture around you. So if you're not speaking up and you don't know any better, then your insurance costs terrible prices now. <laughs> what do you <laughs> what do you think the premiums and the cost of insurance will be like in four or five years if you have an influx of people onto the system who are part of the federal end of healthcare? Here's why I'm telling you this. When you extend health care to just anybody and they decide, well, you know, health care doesn't go against my credit and it doesn't, they don't consider it on home loans or whatever. I'm just going to run my health care bill through the roof. They can. They will. And in order to pay for that difference, you and I, anybody paying in, is going to be affected by the taxes that are collected. It'll be affected by the budget. Okay. Now I want you to keep this in mind. You decide you want to buy private insurance and you don't understand why the premiums are so high privately. You don't understand why the premiums are so high for the healthcare.gov option. Maybe you don't understand this and you probably don't. Medicare is a very large operation. And when the hospital says, mm-hmm, here's your surgery, it costs, here's your procedure, here's your visit to the hospital, your emergency room visit, it's going to be 
$2,300. You're like, oh my God, I've got insurance. But you haven't met your deductible. You know what happens on the back end of that that you don't know about? The insurance companies don't have as much leverage as Medicaid does. Because you, you've people have given them this Medicare this power. They come back to the hospital who says this procedure costs X number of dollars. And you want to know why you're paying so much for it out of pocket. Why your deductibles are so high and your plans are so high. Because Medicare comes to the hospital who will be willing to do this procedure for $150. And Medicare says, we'll pay you 75 the hospital says, what the? That's outrageous. It is outrageous. But Medicare can decide not to pay them. It's a rather strange relationship. If I took my car to get worked on and I didn't pay the mechanic, they can put a lien against my car. They can do it against your house. You can take people to small claims court. That is not the way that insurance and health care works. They decide they don't want to pay that. They're not going to pay that. And they don't. And you know who they send the rest of the bill to? Ha <laughs> ha! Check your mailbox. That's why your bill's so high. You've created a monster where this wing of the industry can decide what they want to pay, what they don't want to pay, after things, after services have already been rendered. Now, what kind of world are we living in? The rest of us pay up front for most things, right? You want to get a an oven from the store? You got to go down to the store and pay them for the oven. They don't just give it to you. They might technically, in a way, you know, oh, well, I put it on my credit card and I'm paying it off. Yes, they are loaning it to you and whatever the promotion might be, whether there's interest, no interest. But they have their payment up front because the credit card company fronts the payment. And then you pay back the credit card company. But the person who rendered the good or service is always paid up front in most every instance. It's not that way with food. But imagine what your restaurant would be like if you opened the restaurant up, fed people, and they came up to the front and said, Here, all right, here's what I'm willing to pay. You'd have to have bouncers. And I mean bouncers who know about, like, the Harlem Shake, because you need to turn them some bitches upside down. Shake all that money out of them and get them to pay the bill. Who would allow people to come into their establishment and just dictate their own prices? You know what, Walmart? I ain't giving you 99 cents for this orange. I'll give you 29 cents. Ha! Get the fuck out of here. And they would. They'd get lost. Healthcare doesn't work like that. It's one of the main reasons. It's one of the heaviest burdens. And yet, everybody's like, nah, we'll just give health care away to whoever. Medicare this and that. That's one of the major problems with amnesty. That's not just insurance. It's got to do with quality of life and so forth. What would you do about this problem, Michael? Look, if this, if them people want to live in this country, forget all that caravan and moving and walking and all that stuff. This is my idea. How come I, nobody else has even, I never heard anybody say this. Why don't we just buy the other country? Annex them. You took New Mexico and Arizona and Texas. You know, took that. That's conquered land. We took that from Mexico. Anybody who's arguing about, like, you know, ethnicity whenever they're 
being partial, or some people call that racism. Race is a species of people. You're not racist against your own species. But if you don't like Hispanic people or people who speak Spanish or something of that nature, you're just, oh, my goodness. Do you hate all the people in Texas? Or, no, because they got a state flag and they're part of the United States of America. Well, we conquered that land. Just like Louisiana and Alaska. I mean, we, we bought a lot of this stuff. It belonged to somebody else and we paid for it. Or we took it. Well, if you want to make them people citizens, go to Biden. Tell him to talk to the El Presidente and see what we can do about cutting a deal for the United States of America and Mexico. And maybe it can be sponsored by the people at American Express, right? Because we could just call it US Amex. And they'd be all over that shit. But, I mean, the reality of it is you wouldn't even have to move anybody, right? They can stay where they are. We'll just extend it out a little bit more, a little more eminent domain, set up a... We'll take out the consulate and all that stuff that happens down there because we don't, we don't need any of that anymore. That's our land now. We own it. And we can just, you know, broaden it a little bit more and a little bit more. Everybody's mad that we give foreign aid or we go set up embassies or we evade Iraq and then we give them democracy. Why didn't we just take over the land? That's what they do all over Europe, right? That's World War II. Germans decide they want the Sudetenland. Boom! They head right into Poland and kick ass. And now then people are speaking German. Well, they're not really speaking German. The Germans are just occupying them. They kept their culture. They've kept it today. There's large segments of Polish people throughout the world. Yeah, Russia decided they were going to expand the Soviet Union. What did they do? What do you think China's been fighting for? And U.S. You know, interfered between the Korean conflict with North and South Korea. This is an ever-pressing issue between people who want to expand their government, their borders. That's Robert Anton Wilson as the old, you know, the old quote about the the way the maps are drawn in Europe. He says every map in Europe, the the borders in Europe are where two groups of bandits grew tired of fighting each other and drew lines in the sand. Lines change. Borders change. Culture, people, finances. You know, there's new currency, there's Brexit, then there's there's the Union, the EU, and then there's Brexit. And so there's, you know, oh yeah, we got the Euro and they got the Great British Pound. Here in America, we only have our legal tender. Right? With our legal tender is, is king. You know, we, we'll exchange other money. Uh, in the right financial institution, and then you'll have U.S. dollars. But if you really want to have amnesty, and you really want to give all these people like a piece of the American pie, just make the pie bigger. That's what we do with everything else, right? We just, the stock market, bigger than ever. Yeah, they're building buildings taller than ever. Bridges, bigger than ever. Debt, higher than it's ever been. Annex, expand, conquer, buy them, whatever you want to do. It's absurd, is it? If you really want to embrace that many people into your economy, and into your way of life, expand. Give them some more land. Make the variety. You got different languages you can speak. We'll mix the currency. We'll figure that part out. But by God, man, 
If you're down with the craziness of the idea of absorbing 11 million people, what's the difference? Just take over Mexico and add another dose of tens of millions of people. Ah, that's ridiculous. Look at all the problems that could happen, in, right? They're no different than the problems if you simply absorb undocumented people who are already in the border. Just expand the border. There's no difference in any of the logic. And if one isn't good enough, guess what? The other one ain't good enough. I don't know where you lie on this issue, but it's something for people to think about. Because as you start talking about giving folks, and I mean large numbers of folks, it's one thing to absorb you know, people in Syria who are the conflict of a civil war. They're going to die one way or the other. That's, there are some arguments to be had, but I mean, it's a different world over there. Croatians, the Serbs, I mean, that part of the world, we've been dealing with Russia for 100 years now. So, yeah, it, it's a little different. But I'm looking at amnesty, and I'm looking at all these opportunities to annex people and what it can really do to your systems. And most people don't understand, like I was talking about healthcare and Medicare and negotiating prices. They don't understand how the system began working. They don't understand how it functions today. And to say, here is how this is going to impact that system. <laughs> I don't understand the system to begin with. It's not going to go anywhere. That argument, that logic, that subject those people don't need to breach. They don't need to be in undocumented territory when it comes to having the discussion. If you haven't done your research and you don't know and you don't have documents in your head, metaphorically or otherwise. If your documents don't exist, if your arguments are based on a lack of knowledge, they're based on ignorance, you are undocumented, and you should not be weighing in without your evidence, without your documents. You don't have a case to bring to the table. As I'm sitting here watching Law and & Order and just burning through the seasons, Guess where there's a disconnect between the legal system and being able to bring somebody to trial? Oh, they have to have enough to make a case? Yeah. It's the same thing as any other conclusion that you sh you'll have in any other walk of life. If you don't have evidence, if you don't have research, if you don't have studies, whatever it might be, when you go to speak and be taken seriously and someone says, let's look at the documentation to back that up, then you are undocumented. Some people are willing to live that way. But for many of us, we just don't recognize the possibility of that being legitimate. And we're not just going to give you a pass if you haven't taken all the necessary steps. Hope you have a beautiful Wednesday. We'll wrap this up and get back to work. Enjoy yourself out there. And feel free to like and share and subscribe and all those wonderful things. But uh, be safe out there. It's a rough world right now. Give it to me.